Hello, it's Natalia Lloyd and welcome to my podcast, Beehive Household. As part of my interior design business, my first chat with my clients is a deep dive into their lifestyle and daily routines to be able to understand how they use their homes. And this is where the idea for this podcast came from. So subscribe and listen to find out about the daily routines of my extraordinary guests, their mindset, their choice of interiors, but most importantly, how their life at home sustains their success and much, much more. On today's episode, the listeners are welcomed into the home of the successful entrepreneur Dawn Magrura, who is the founder of Business Consult, a digital and social media academy, which has trained and certified upwards of 28,000 specialists in the field and has enjoyed 14 years of success. Dawn is also the host of the podcast, Dawn of a New Era, the chronicles of a serial entrepreneur, which regularly reaches the top 10% of podcasts globally. It's a business podcast with a difference, talking about all aspects of marketing, motivation and mindset. Dawn is an award-winning speaker, strategist and best-selling author of Dynamic Digital Marketing Book. She was named Best Female Speaker at the Professional Speaker event. Her dynamic digital marketing model was named Solution Framework of the Year. Dawn always did things differently and her insights are in high demand. Her expertise and experience has been awarded with lifetime fellowships with the Royal Society of Arts, Manufacturers and Commerce. She is ranking in the top 1% globally on LinkedIn, as well as boasting an enviable 5 million strong subscriber base. Dawn became an entrepreneur at the age of 21, and I'm looking forward to finding out about her learnings on her journey and her life setup now. So Dawn, it's my pleasure, absolute honor to welcome you to Beehive Household podcast. Your career path is kind of like full of very dynamic turns. And Mm. some downs, most of them ups, and certainly a lot of resilience to become who you are. What was your home life is like? Because this podcast is all about looking at your home life. What was Mm. happening behind home doors when you were building your career, when you were going through those changes? And, um, and, And you became an entrepreneur at the age of 21, which is... You know, incredibly early. How did it feel from from your household perspective? What was your life like back then? Yeah, I mean, at twenty one, I mean, I'd, I'd been traveling uh, a lot. I mean, five to seven days a week. Um, I was lucky uh, that at a very young age, um, I got into uh, marketing. I'd started out as a, a programmer, and my home life, I guess, was very much spent kind of you know packing, traveling, packing, traveling, and then at twenty one. Um, I don't know why I decided that that was the perfect age to start my own business. And to be honest, there was probably a lot of arrogance and naivety there. I felt that I could give more. And I think, you know, even though it had been a short time traveling that level, I wanted to be more at home. And, you know, and I'd already felt a sacrifice, um, you know, in my home life. So I guess 21, my home life was very much kind of work really hard, um, play really hard, you know, at that age. Um, I made the the step that I wanted to have an office out of my home. 
um, because I wanted my sanctuary. I wanted to come back and, and feel that I was still in a creative space because starting my business was a lot harder than I thought. And I felt that just being in the confines of my own home, I wasn't getting that separation. And um, I think it's difficult, you know, when you're living with a partner and you're juggling a business and then there's no respite, it felt like. So um, I moved into offices and uh, then my home uh, life changed a little bit. Um, I still like the balance of sometimes working at home. And, you know, this is something that during lockdown is has been a, a, a very... You had, to, you had to revisit, haven't you? Yeah, but, <laughs> But it was for me, it was about being more in my own area and being, you know, I felt like people were asking me to do things, go places. And already I was, you know, I was missing out on, you know, 80 percent of what was happening back home. And I felt as an entrepreneur that actually the reason that I wanted to start my own business was not really so much around success, financial. It was about freedom. It was making my choices and doing what I wanted and, and choosing to be at home or not as I want it. So I think from a home life point of view, I've always had a, a very vibrant home and um, I've got a lot of um, eclectic ornaments and interests uh, within it. So I wouldn't say it's a traditional um, home that I live in. Really? Tell me I more. Tell like, me more. That's exciting. I, I think for me, um, I'm really into art and um when I was younger, it was a choice of, you know, do I go into the artistic side of things? You know, I loved writing. I loved drawing. I love painting. I love pottery. Um, at A-level, um, that was my passion. And and um, I, I very nearly went into the, the jobs in the creative spaces. But um, I think I was guided more on people's perception. You know, it was like advice was around you're not going to get the same money, the opportunities and things like that. Um I don't regret what I did, but I've just tried to, I think, bring that along with me on the journey. So yeah. um, in my house, I have um, lots of Salvador Dali prints. Uh, he's my favorite artist. Um, cool. And I have lots of things that I think probably make me feel centered and make me feel happy. So I like um, to have all of my kind of office area separate to everything else so that I feel like I'm still walking away. Yeah. Um, so during lockdown, I think I spent most of the time trying to make my house into an activity area that had experience because that was the biggest thing I was missing, you know, from traveling or getting on a train, having different areas to go and hang out because I was kind of going from the office to like the lounge and I needed, I think, a, a bit more. So we kind of invested in a hot tub and um, just start Very making nice. the house into more of a um, an experience rather than just kind of, you know, your standard functional living space, I guess. Yeah, 100%. And this is that lack of a commute. I mean, commute is something that people used to complain about a lot. <laughs> and a lot of work needed to be done how to actually transition from going on a busy train coming into the office or steaming through your ears um, from being jammed on the train, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of work's been done mentally how to get that transition to happen. Now, during the lockdown, you're rightly so saying, people are just lacking that commute and the commute from room one to room two. Mm -hmm. 
that's often what you get. And I totally, I can totally relate on, on the subject that making your house an experience, making, yeah. you know, those memories. That, we need a creative know. space. And I, and I think yeah. we need different things in those areas. So it was about rearranging all my books um, and putting them in a different area. So, you know, all the spaces in the house, utilizing them in a way that I felt that was positive. So we converted my understairs into a bespoke um, wine rack. So we um, designed it all. Um, We had a a joiner who kind of came and took our sort of vision um, and, um, you know, created this space uh, with, you know, glass and wine fridges and all the bottles and things. And I do think that taking those sorts of um, spaces and making them into something that is more of a focal point, it, it it changes the whole way you feel, I think, when you walk in and what you see from different rooms. Um, so we've kind of opened up our house um, into more of a, an open plan living exper- experience, just to let more light in. And I think, you know, it's even when you're sitting down to read, it's the, it's it's how you feel when you are, you know, either in a work mode or creative mode. And it has been really important, I think, for a lot of people during the pandemic to feel centered because we're in such an uncertain time that you need this, this salvation in your house. And I think a lot of people have learned to love their houses more um, because I was traveling still quite a lot. I probably wasn't even spending time in different rooms or, you know, yeah. even thinking about my house in the way that I do now. So it's definitely changed the the whole work-life balance, the whole way I feel about my house and, and just creating um, memories, you know, that's something we crave, I guess, from the pandemic, you know, going out and meeting people, but Mm. creating memories in my house now, you know, through things like cooking and getting things like a pasta machine and bread makers and things that probably I didn't have time to do. So I've kind of become (laughs) um, a hobbyist into all different areas that I never guests had time to do uh, or enjoy and I think that has definitely changed the way that I am in business Um, and I think those rituals Mm -hmm. that when we come out of lockdown I will keep because I I do feel that they add to your performance and the way that you you go in to your job or your role so yeah it's been a bit of a journey Who who do you share your house with my partner, so uh, we've been together for 10 years. He works in sales. Um, he works in sort of um, machine learning, artificial intelligence. So, you know, it's been a bit of a power struggle <laughs> over um, I can imagine. work areas, conference calls and things like that. Um, so, yes, we we have very similar interests um, in terms of, you know, hobbies, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, but totally different work backgrounds. So one of the things that we decided is that we needed to get, we couldn't go to the gym. So we had to kind of create a gym in the house. So we have a running machine now. We've just now got a Peloton um, and those those areas now in our house feel like we've got an exercise area. It feels like we've got different transitions of environments. Um, and I think that was one of the things we didn't have before. I would say our house was maybe a bit more sterile because it was very functional for traveling, living, working. Mm-hmm. And now, because we're living in it and really experiencing the house as a whole, we, we've added the, the bits that really do make it not just a house, but a home 
Yeah, 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 hundred percent. And it's the um, you've done well in making that leap and jump and quickly transitioning from pre-pandemic life to realizing that there are things in the house to tackle to build up on those because in the beginning it felt like so surreal the lockdown mm. is just going to be it's just a dream like a bad dream obviously <laughs> and and it's just going to go and now it's been over a year and mm. we're still we're still where we are and the new norm would be a different norm there's no older normalities there's there's new um yeah game rules that we'll have to adjust to and home does surely become our sanctuary and mm. um it, it's really refreshing to hear that you know you've gone you've got your wine corner you've got your pasta making machine you've got your panettone gym the hot tub you're so right when you say about when we went into the surrealness with the pandemic I think so many people felt unsettled that it was very hard to be in the house and feel in that motivated that that's let's you know do this this and this because it were a change of environment, change of focus, complete uncertainty to where we were going. And for me, I had to redesign my whole desk area because it just didn't feel right. It felt like I needed to realign everything to where we were now. Um, what did and, you change? You know, I was used to filming in different places, you know, so I've had to take everything in-house um so yeah I've kind of built myself my new area um and this is where I work normally um and light I, I realized just how important that is in terms of my day-to-day -day because when I was traveling I was in hotel rooms a lot training rooms a lot hotels a lot I don't think I was um feeling the same creativity until now I think this whole pace of you know life has changed and I think the fact that I'm getting out more and exercising I think it has revolutionized and I think a lot of entrepreneurs will feel this revolutionized how we work for the better mm. and I hope it stays yeah yeah, yeah. you rightly so say the the creativity um mm. aspect even even in the for professionals and entrepreneurs and um in in non-creative areas of business yeah. it did kickstart the um, inner creativity and it's it's been mm. fabulous to to see so taking you back to your um to the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey i understand that you um lost a few close people is that yeah right? so In the space of a yeah. few months yeah basically i did my first book character building um on mm -hmm. the back of it um yeah, I lost six people in six months. Um, and I think a sort of in my sort of late teens to early 20s, I mean, that was uh, quite shocking because I hadn't been through that before. Um, for it all to happen in quick succession, it was a game changer. But I think I wasn't consciously aware how much it affected me probably until later years when I look back and reflect on it. But it was it was a huge impact because I think the reason I started my business at 21 was that all around the fact that, you know, we live once, why not take risks? I think it, it basically set me up on that kind of track where I was thinking, well, do you know what? What's the worst that can happen? Mm. You know, mm. and then character building was all about inspirational stories, basically, of, of, of you know, complete trauma in someone's life and, and devastation and, and how that had a, a positive spin, if it could do. And um, one of the things I wanted to do was kind of immortalize the people involved in the book because there were people who uh, wrote stories who were um, going through cancer 
the book was actually um, raising money for cancer research and they didn't survive their journey. Um, so Nigel Hawthorne um, actually endorsed the book. Uh, he was going through a really painful journey uh, at that time and going through cancer treatment. He didn't survive to the end um, to see the book in, in, in publication. And yeah, it, it, it was just something that helped me and you know as much as it was crazy to be starting a new business and writing a book it helped me get through that that trauma um but it definitely set me on a, a journey whether people were aware of why I was so forthright probably mm. not they probably thought that you know this woman's crazy at 21 what's she doing but I just thought, you know, if I don't do it, if I don't embrace this now, it's going to be it's tougher. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd moved out. I had a mortgage. I had, you know, uh, a, a nice paying role that I'd walked out of. And, you know, and now it was down to me to to make my world. Um, but what I loved about it was taking a blank piece of paper and creating a business. And I think that's one of the, the most exciting things that entrepreneurs have is that, you're taking your inner passion and your knowledge and translating it into something that helps others. So I think that was key, you know, from losing those people to what can I do in the world? How am I going to do it? And, you know, and, and being a bit headstrong, really, just to think, well, you know, it, it was called character building for a reason, because my dad used to say, um, you know, in the early stages, you know, in my life or when I was doing my business, if I called him up and said, you know, something's gone wrong or is moaning about something complaining, he'd say to me, Dawn, you've got your health, you know, you, you have nothing, you have no wealth without that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was an approach that really I've taken forward maybe probably a little bit too literally <laughs> through my life because, you know, I've worked when I was ill, you know, and I've done things that maybe now at 42, turned 42 on Saturday, um, 20 years later, I would, I would think to about you know I think at that point I, there was a lot of me who was just trying to get over something mm-hmm. um and doing the book starting my business helped me get through that and I think it changed the way I wanted to help you know so when clients came to me I definitely had a more sympathetic more empathetic kind of view on where they were at because I'd lived it I'd breathed it so I think that's kind of been a success for me or or an element that's helped me you know help clients in that way because it wasn't just a person it was I was living and breathing it you know so I I think from an emotional state taking that into business it's it's been a help and a hindrance all at the same time wow wow it's um sometimes they say it takes near death experience to shake you up and build Mm. you up ultimately and get that fear of stepping out of the comfort zone and actually being proactive and stop procrastinating on living your life and doing things that you want and you it feels like you've experienced it through the loss of your close oh definitely and and it's 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 incredible but it, it does. It changes the way that you harness life and it changes the way that, you, you know, you do things. I mean, I think it helped me as an entrepreneur when I went through challenges of extreme ups and extreme downs, as you do. Um, it helped me process and deal with that because mm. nothing was as bad as that. So gosh, you gosh, think to yourself that 
as an entrepreneur, you know, even I remember in the early stages, like my first year in business, it was like, you know, do I buy fairy liquid? Do I buy food? Um, because it was feast or famine, you know, you'd, you'd get an amazing contract in and, and then there'd be a lull. But it was never as bad. You know, you couldn't quantify it. So for me, it's kind of giving me that resilience because it's like, well, that happened. I got through it. Can anything get any worse? Um yeah, and I think that has kind of taken me through um, my whole approaches to setting up multiple businesses that what's the worst that can happen? And I think that's really what I think of every day still. Oh, wow. What would be your advice to, I mean, I guess the, the, the thing is that a lot of that strength, um, as we've just said, is being built from some sort of a really low time. Mm-hmm. But there's equally a lot of people that, were lucky enough not to go through dark times, dark enough to make them realize that, oh my gosh, I've been to the lowest of lows. I have nothing to lose. What would be your advice to those that's been fortunate enough not to experience that level of grief or, but still to have that resilience, to be those, to have those balls as entrepreneurs to move forward? I think it's difficult. I mean, I think as an entrepreneur, you always face challenges and it's relative to each person. So I don't think you have to have necessarily death to be resilient or, you know, a horrific trauma. I think you can be resilient by quantifying where you're at now and the fact that tomorrow is a different day. You know, the great thing about having time is 24 hours. There's there's a new whole new 24 hours to come. So it's about I suppose, assessing where you are and kind of being able to step out of it and kind of think of yourself, well, there's two options here. You can, you know, step out of it as the the victor or you can stay in it as the victim. I think no one likes to feel in a bad place. So, you know, you've got to think, what can you do? What is, you know, what can you change that would help you feel slightly differently? You know, you can never solve something necessarily in a day, you know, during the pandemic, people have lost businesses, houses, all sorts of things. It's, it's looking at what could be worse than that. And, and, and is there something that you can do today that's going to just push you forward slightly and it's about having I guess a growth mindset and and not everybody knows how to get that or has one but it's about I guess thinking if this has happened it's not happened personally to you there's a very few things that are personal in business um it's not your fault necessarily, or it could be your fault, you know, and and just recognizing and owning it and thinking, well, this is where I am, you know, how I, how do I get out of it? If I do nothing and and nothing changes, I stay here. But if I do something, then there will be some form of outcome. And I think it's just being able to step back from the situation and, and try and dampen the emotion slightly and step away and look at it Uh, like you're looking on and that's why I you know when anything happens and you know even if someone triggers you and you feel upset I always try and step back and and think about it like on looking And, and, and it just brings a bit more rationale to the situation and quite often it's it's it could just be the way you're feeling that day is the way that you're dealing with something and then you can feel completely different the next day so it's it's stepping back not being rash and And I guess talking to people, you know, that there is nothing better than when you have a problem than just speaking it out 
And just even if that person is just listening, it's not about getting advice sometimes. It just feels good to to have somebody who's there because it's lonely being an entrepreneur, you know, even. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, every responsibility comes back to you. And uh, I felt this more and more when I had team members and staff and it becomes something that unless you're careful, it can become a dominance in your life. And as an entrepreneur, there's very few times that you're present without your mind thinking about it. And this is why doing things like, you know, even cooking for me is the only time that I'm never thinking about work. When I'm exercising, I'm never necessarily thinking about work. If I'm walking, I might be mulling through things about work. But, you know, if I'm on the peloton, I haven't got <laughs> opportunity to be thinking about that. I'm just thinking about survival. Um, so I think it's it's just being conscious. I think being self-aware and checking in on yourself because it's very easy to to kind of get up every day and just get onto the the, the bandwagon of work. I think, you know, we just need to be thinking, how do I feel today? Am I still doing something that I'm passionate about, you know, and and is this my purpose? And, you know, just checking in and and sense checking where you're at because, you know, we can all change direction. And that's a great thing. You know, tomorrow is another day. We can all wake up and, and make different choices. That's true. Who is your sounding board for those situations oh. when it feels lonely? Oh gosh, different people. Um, anything from some of my partner to family to friends to masterminds. Um, mm. Yeah, I think it, I, I always think you have different people in your life bring different things. You know, not everybody is going to be the person that you turn to for a work decision, but then you might have someone you want to talk about personal things to. So I think you have. Um, different people who are so different to you for those reasons because they can give objectivity for a different scenario so I wouldn't say I have one person I think I have like a a network of people that give me different things and and vice versa you know when, when we need it I think reading and seeing things for me and 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 talking openly is is a big thing and being authentic I think a lot of entrepreneurs that we see online we we just see the success I think especially in my podcast when I did dawn of a new era it was to showcase like true life experiences and challenges and be realistic about where I was at what was feeling and and how it was because for me there was nothing better than when I spoke to someone else who had been through what I'd been through so you know it's when someone's lived and breathed it, they they can bring a different objectivity to that that problem or pain. Mm, I absolutely love the name Dawn of a New Era. I mm. love it. Very, um, it's kind of that play on words and your name. Well, it, it, it stemmed from um, an article back when I was um, in my 20s, around about 21. Um, the Manchester Evening News wrote an article. Uh, it was like a double page spread all about my business, um, which was, you know, crazy at that age. And it was entitled Dawn of a New Era. And I just felt like that when I feel back in those times, it just felt like such a a, a good name for the podcast because it was kind of everything I, you know it was me the fact that I'm coming out into a new area and every day I'm evolving but it yeah. showcases my past as well love it so you are now um, a founder of 
Business Consult, a digital and social yep. media academy, where you help entrepreneurs to get their heads around all aspects of marketing, motivation, and mindset. And you really stress that being an entrepreneur is not just about business, but also about your well-being, work goals, family, friends, adventure, home, and money. And you work your strategy within your business around those eight pillars. What is your personal work-life balances like? Um, I, 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 lo I love the, the, the idea of work-life balance, but I don't think it ever truly exists all the time. I think it's more <laughs> about... Uh, uh, a struggle. I think <laughs> one week, one, you know, one week you will win and one week you will lose, you know, one week you will win, sorry, one day you'll win, one day you'll lose. So it, it, it's a roundabout understanding what is freedom to you. And um, my, my work-life balance is basically if I can work with my diary and block it in terms of if I look at the week and think wow that's exciting rather than that's daunting then I think that's the first stage so I only ever take uh, calls uh, on a Thursday um, on the other days I have time blocking for things I need to do um, on Tuesday and Wednesday I have um, no client meetings no calls no nothing in terms of um creativity I need that space I need that time so I have certain mm -hmm. days I'll do podcasts in terms of inviting people onto mine and and that I'll guest on people's podcasts too so I think it's about time blocking where you know I, I probably fell into the trap back at 21 where I was just kind of looking at my diary and it was a full um whereas I was thinking that was a positive it was actually destroying me because I was thinking I was going into the week dreading it mm -hmm. so I kind of want to wake up on a Monday and think great you know what am I doing today so like doing a podcast interview with yourself and then I've got a podcast interview at lunchtime so it's all about doing what I want to do not what I need to do and um, because I think there's a lot of perception that we have to get up and we have to be busy we have to be in work at a certain time we don't have to do any of those things. We can rock up at 11 o'clock if we want to, you know, and <laughs> you make your hours. So for me, um, I don't do any work over the weekend. I don't work in the evenings. That is my time. And that's why I chose to be an entrepreneur. So work-life balance is making the week uh, wonderful um, in terms of looking at it and just feeling invigorated. Um, and I think also taking out all of the things that I procrastinate over because those are clearly the things I don't like doing yeah. so delegating um for me is a big thing because when I was younger I, I was doing everything I was I mean I am a control freak I wanted to be showing up doing everything and just like busy 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 and then you realize that you know the world doesn't fall apart if you're not up at 5am and um that you don't have to do everything you know and there's you may as well empower the people who love doing the thing that you hate because it's always going to be done better. Um, so for me, it's been about letting go, letting people um, do things that I don't like and, you know, and showing up so that I can be performing into the best of my ability. So I guess my ethos is all around marketing, motivation, and, and mindset. And those are the three core pillars that me uh, and my business stand for. So setting up the academy uh, was one thing and, and, and helping people really master the world of online marketing was, was something I was passionate about because 
there was nothing better than seeing a student graduate with a diploma, with their honorific, you know, wearing the cap and gown. That for me was a, a huge motivation. And we have the agency as well. Um, that started, as I say, back at, when I was 21, the Academy at 2005. And then I have my own brand, Dawn McGrew, where I am a, a, a sort of an international business strategist. Um, mm-hmm. I do a lot of client strategy for entrepreneurs who just kind of, I guess, want to show up powerfully online and, and, and be present in all aspects of their life. For me, it was about creating something that wasn't a generic, you know, client program. It was something that lived those three core pillars, but yeah. brought in all of the things as an entrepreneur that I felt I'd sacrificed or I'd had challenges with. So I think nowadays coming out of the pandemic, we probably have more of a focus on not just business, but where our work and life and adventure lives. Mm -hmm. So in my book, uh, Dynamic Digital Marketing, um, I talk a lot lot about obviously digital, the online space, but there's a huge section about time. And, And as an entrepreneur, how do you develop a success strategy? So Adventure is a big one because an entrepreneur has set up a business for freedom, but doesn't always get the opportunity because you know to experience adventure to the same degree because you get very caught up with the firefighting and you're kind of involved in the business at the early stages. Mm-hmm. As I learned to delegate, I sort of started working on my business, not in my business, and, and far more strategically. I started to think about well, why am I doing this? You know, mm-hmm. what, what is my purpose? And adventure was one. So I guess it's about taking things um, and understanding what makes you tick. So like at Christmas time, me and my partner don't necessarily do gifts. We do, um, do a list not? of 10 things or 12 things um, uh-huh. that we want to do. And it takes quite a long time because we have to think about the year and what's happening. If there was like a festival or uh, an experience or something that was time sensitive and we plan it all out and then we swap and then we pick one of those things each month so that we can go and do it. This and is I think a cool it, idea. Don't you get to know your partner yeah, you know, yeah, but and you what, get to know what they want to be doing as please, well. Please, please share what were those 10 things on your list? This Christmas. So there was lots of different things. So um, the last, well, pre-pandemic, <laughs> there was things that I wanted yeah. to do. Like I wanted to go to Ronnie Scott's Jazz Club and uh, I wanted to go to a festival in Ibiza. There was a wine tasting event I wanted to go to in the Doro Valley and a, a, a specific hotel I wanted to stay in um, whereby you could go and visit uh, a wine cellar in the caves. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think what it does is it makes you realize I and research what you want to do rather than just kind of get into like you know June and going where should we go what should we do he was thinking deeply about what are the things I love doing and like and and spending you know two three hours really researching what's happening and and making a bit of a bucket list really I guess of things that you want to do so do you research for one another no we do we do all of our own and then I do a list of 12, he does a list of 12 or 10 or whatever, and then we yeah. swap and then we see what we, we, you know, each other's chosen. And there'll be loads of things that he's thought of that I'd never thought of, or I even thought he was interested in, you know, and, and vice versa. So, it, it, you know, it, it works on the relationship as much as it does in, in terms of yeah. your own motivations. And it makes things 
feel more worthwhile. You know, when you're having a bad day, you're thinking, oh, you know, at the end of this, we've got this to go to and and you've got something planned out. And it's about having aspirational goals that feel truly achievable. And I think that's that's true in adventure. I think it's true in business. I think it's it's true in our lives because we do live once. And sometimes our goals are not inspiring enough to make us want it. And mine definitely weren't in the early stages. Mine were about survival of a business, you know, but that has to change. And then when you're at 22, 23, it changes and changes. And at 42, completely different. Yeah, well, it's it's one of those things you bring about what you dream about. And Mm. if you put it on paper, I feel it's a very powerful tool putting things on the paper writing them down and you obviously before you were talking about writing a book and going through your um process of emotional healing um mm. due to um the loss that you've experienced in your life and now it's 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 a different concept of putting your dreams your plans your bucket list agenda onto the paper i'm actually might be stealing that idea thank you dawn <laughs> yeah, i absolutely love honestly, it it's, it's a great idea and um i think a lot of people um you know talk about the book i interviewed um uh, Adam Myron, um, he's one of the first Canadians who um, actually lived to see himself be a billionaire and have a billion dollar company. And he did all this like by the age of like 30. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he said was that the book wasn't necessarily just around about digital marketing. He said it should have been labeled how to be an entrepreneur, because I actually feel like when I wrote it, I, I just wanted to impart all of the things that had cost me time or pain or money and, and give people the, you know, the quick wins through the book. Um, and, you know, I probably didn't realize how much I was doing that at the time. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very much an influence, um, on, you know, strategies and rituals that I, that I had that I wanted to bring into the book. Um, so it's definitely not your textbook of digital marketing. It's more of an entrepreneurial approach to how to kind of show up online. I'm looking forward to reading it. Um, I must confess, I usually I usually read all the books of my um, of my guests, but this interview came about so quickly, and I just really wanted to get into your diary and get it done. But I'm looking forward to to reading the book, and I'll be I'll be messaging you back with uh, with a review. I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. And it's um, so in terms of the digital marketing, there's always an element of putting yourself out there, positioning yourself as an expert of your area to be putting yourself out there as entrepreneur but also what people like is you showing a bit of a yourself a bit of your personal life mm. mixing it nicely together packaging very vibrantly and putting it out there so that the content is easily consumed but also triggers the sale ultimately we're all entrepreneurs now there's a darker side to all the digital media and you may be aware there's um, trolling and bullying that can potentially be involved how does your agency deals with that what is advice there and I've, I've had an interview a couple of weeks ago with um kevin clifton and uh, from strictly come dancing and um we talked in depth kind of about the this trolling and online trolling and bullying um how is this part of um you know someone who actually helps people to put their story out there in the right way how do, do you help Um, your clients to deal with that darker side of social media? Yeah, definitely. I think there's two angles. There's the social media where 
we have FOMO and, you know, we're looking at uh, people and, 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 you know, thinking, oh, you know, they're doing better than I am and blah, blah, blah. You know, I always in the academy and in all the courses that, that we teach, we, we always try and express that, you know, showing up authentically is one thing, but not to get caught up in the fatigue of consumption and also promotion. So two angles, really. I think when we go online, we see people and what they're presenting. So I think it's important to show up authentically and, and story tell your brand. And for me, coming out of obviously just being the academy and, and really stepping forward as my own brand has been um, definitely a challenge because lots of people who are in corporate who then want to step into doing their own business find it hard to be the face or to, to show up and, and go live. And, and the thought of going live petrifies some people. So I think you have to think about why people would troll, because that's one of the biggest fears. People worry about, you know, public speaking or doing lives because what happens if it goes wrong? What happens if people don't like me? Trolling and bullying, I, I've, I've experienced. And uh, there was someone who actually commented on my video the other day to say that they really, really hated the color of my lipstick. And uh, <laughs> I think the thing is, is that people fear being judged uh, online and, and, and people fear, um, you know, criticism and people say well you know does it offend you do you, do you feel worried you know when people um you know go online and say something at first i mean trolling and bullying is 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 not your problem it's theirs and and one thing that i always teach at the academy is that um it doesn't happen a lot but it will happen and when it happens you know that you've made such a ripple and a wave um that has caused people to react now mm -hmm. 99% of people will love that ripple and wave and they will love um, what you're doing. Um, and there's 1%, you know, and there's always going to be a 1%. You need to be a little bit resilient, I guess, online and just show up in the way that you feel is authentic and that is true to you. And you can do nothing better than that. If someone wants to challenge you, then it's their problem because the reason that they're doing it is because it's something that you have um, in, ignited in them that they don't feel comfortable with. So it often happens when you're talking about money. It's something that then they feel vulnerable about. It could be something that they don't feel comfortable about. So the fact that maybe I was online doing a video would be something that, you know, maybe this person who hated my lipstick couldn't do um, or the thought of going online doing it so the only way that they re can react is to you know come back with this retort um you can basically just delete a comment and you have to let you know it's a bit like the sticks and stones will break your bones but names will never hurt you if you know that you are doing good and that you are adding value then do exactly those things and you know if someone comments delete and block you know uh the only time that i feel that you should get involved when any sort of adverse pr is that you know let's say a customer went on to your social media and was uh, aggrieved with something that happened you can manage that out online and then you can end up delighting that customer and showing someone or the your audience how amazing you are as a, a company of solving it but I think when it comes down to the the nastiness that you see online, you 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 have to just kind of think, well, it may happen, and if it does, I am really sorry for that person. But do you know what? I'm I'm proud of what I do, and I'm doing good. And 
everyone else will see that comment as their problem. They will never think that it's you, you know, and I, I think it's sad that people have to reach out in such a way um, yeah. because we do see a lot of that online. And, and you know, I want really this year to, to be thinking about shaking up social media. We're doing an event in April called The Social Shake Up, which is all about um, inclusion and diversity, but also changing the perception of online and, and how we can use it powerfully for community and also for things like collaboration, because, you know, we need to, to take all the goodness that it can have and remember that during lockdown that this has maybe been the only connection a lot of people have had to the outside world and cancel out the white noise, I guess, um, and, and make sure that people's voices are heard and, and, and we don't have enough of that. We see the same people online, you know, the same people in these events. I want to bring voices that we haven't heard, you know, and this is why I would encourage people to go and read books that aren't by famous authors, you know, mm. show up to groups that aren't just, you know, so-called influencers. An influencer can be anybody. An influencer could be someone in your life that you, you feel positively towards. And it, it's anyone that you want to be part of their tribe, that you align a value with. So choose who your influencers are, not just following everyone else's. So when they're kind of zigging that way, you're just maybe thinking, well, I'll zag that way and, and don't follow a herd. Because, you know, to be socially engaged, it's about you choosing uh, and you always have the choice. You can turn it on or turn it off. Like I don't look at my phone in the evening ever. I used to check my emails and things like that and get so wrapped up. And I would read an email and I'd think about it all night until yeah. I dealt with it. And I just realized that that's not positive. You know, digital for me is amazing. And it, when you can control it and move it in your own way, but you don't want it to dominate your life for sure. I like so it. My, my, my views on trolls are, Delete and block and move on. <laughs> I think it's also to um, identify whether it's constructive criticism versus, you know, you may not every feedback you would like to hear, but yeah, equally, exactly. equally, if it's something worth taking on board, by all means, take yeah, on board and sure. improve on. But if it's a clear trolling, um, 100% block and delete. Yeah, because some people might want to challenge what you're saying and, and open a conversation. That's great. You know, and, and, and variety is the spice of life. We weren't all put on this planet to agree. Um, mm. But, you know, when somebody uh, is slight, slating someone's appearance um, or just being nasty, I, I feel that those people do not deserve um, a voice on your social. Um, and it, it goes against the, the, the whole positioning of what social media is. So, yeah. That's uh, <laughs> delete and block for delete sure. Delete and block, brilliant. And and this is this is from a true um, digital marketing expert. So for everyone to follow. So going <laughs> back to your um, to your routines, you've already mentioned quite a few golden nuggets in terms of how you structure your day, how you um, yourself um, you really structure your interaction with social media, with the email checking, with with the phones. You really structured throughout your week how you plan it. A little bit more on the routines, how how your routines help your success and how do yeah, you... Yeah, I'm definitely not like your 5 a.m. club person who, you know, <laughs> I, I admire all these people get up and meditate and do all these things before breakfast, but that just isn't my thing. <laughs> I am more of a get up at seven and I like to kind of get straight into to work and I will check my emails at that point. I make a list 
list um, of things that I need to do. I have every single day uh, what I call my do or die list. So I have three things um, that I have to do or die. Um, and then the rest of those, I allow myself up to seven other things that I will do that day. Um, and I will then go back through that list and just think about, does everything on that list, um, you know, mean that I can kind of get it done that day? If there's something that realistically, you know, like when people say that they do a list and they might say that they're going to do a particular project, mm-hmm. you have to break it down into a specific action. So I'm very specific about what I'm doing and the impact that they have, because I believe in uh, the Pareto principle. And, and I, I do think that people's to-do lists, uh, and I see crazy to-do lists, that 80% of it is not impactful on your business, you know, and we, we're doing a lot of things that we think we need to do. That realistically, there's only a percentage of things that will truly take your business forward. And it's about thinking about your to-do list and lining it up with where you want to be. So if you have a goal or a dream or ambition, something that, you know, every single day you want to work towards, that to-do list has to have an action on it to get you one step further forward. So Mm. my do or die list is centered around the things that I I want to do. So for instance, um, I want to get to 100,000 connections on LinkedIn. I've got about 30,000 direct connections and about 30,000 followers. So I've got a little bit um, of movement um, to get to, but every single day I'm thinking about what will help me get to that point. And I think the thing is, is that there's no point having a dream or an aspirational goal unless you are thinking about every single day, how do I get there? Because it's too hard to break down otherwise. Um, So yeah, I have my to-do list. Um, I always have lunch at one, um, wherever I am, and I have an hour. Um, and I go and do whatever I want to do in that hour. Um, and then I, in the afternoons, um, I literally do a last sort of email check and then a, a kind of a, a brain dump of where I am on that to-do list. And then I write my to-do list uh, again for the next day before I have a look at it, you know, and, it, and the, the day goes around like that. But I don't um, I don't speak on the phone hugely Um in terms of you know client calls and things like that I like a day where I feel quite energized to do that um I'm I suppose I'm I'm quite introvert and extrovert I like my own time to kind of process what I want to do um then in the evening I probably sort of have dinner or go in the hot tub um and I feel that that's just a real nice downtime where I'm just kind of sitting with my partner chatting about our day and then during the pandemic, during everyone's favorite activity, walking. Uh, I'm doing a lot of that, probably three times a day doing walking or doing some sort of exercise, be it Peloton or uh, you know, treadmill, something along those lines. So I'm definitely not your day packed full. I like my day to not have anything in it so that I can get my to-do list done. I, I hate feeling like I'm carrying um, you know, to-do list and actions. I like to get it kind of done, sorted and moved on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also a really uh, impatient person. Are <laughs> you? I can say pragmatic, but I think probably more impatient than anything. <laughs> so I like to get things done quick and I like to get things done in my own time. Nice. Well, at least you own it. 
in, mm, you recognize <laughs> self-awareness is <laughs> brilliant i don't know your shortfalls as much as anything else really because it's, yeah it's that people will always see and i think the more you know uh and the more that you you know you're aware of it or make light of it then you know you work better because we're all different you know some of us like the 5 a.m some of us don't you know and i don't think you know, you have to showcase that, that 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 you're getting up at that time every day, and I don't think that has any impact on you know necessary um, each person's success. It's each person's journey, isn't it? Right, right. Well, personally, um, we've um, we've actually uh, me and my husband we've discovered the five AM club in the beginning of the pandemic, and th- that really became a, a survival strategy with two children on homeschooling. I bet. So that really. Um, made me quickly realize that if, if personally where I am in the journey, an entrepreneurial journey, and um, yeah, with the, everything that's um, gone off the plan this year, I yeah, I quickly realized this is the only survival <laughs> strategy that can work. Because, you think you'll take it forward out of the pandemic? Um, it's uh, We've definitely been going through kind of like the dips out of it so when kids are completely off holidays it it's thrown us back into the day routine so we would wake up at 6 30 so you wouldn't get time to have that early morning exercise and a little bit of journaling mm. and um it, it, it i've always been i've never been an early um early morning person and it's not always easy to wake up at five. And I mean, you need to go to bed at nine, 9.30 to have your seven and a half hour sleep. Um, so with social element to it, it's, it's almost, it's been possible so far in the pandemic, get into it, you know, the actual life that's happening in the evenings when you put ch- children down to sleep. Because in the pandemic, I feel like um, that's what we've been talking about with my husband, that we became quite boring <laughs> it's like any social <laughs> potential social outing we're like oh my gosh how are we gonna do this <laughs> this is now do, do you feel like you've had to kind of bring your outings in I mean I have never trolled the internet more for uh, like activity <laughs> so we've done online wine tastings yeah. um we've been doing uh the uh, restaurants at home you know where you do the like the chef delivered food yeah um, yeah we did a a seven course tasting menu oh they are gorgeous and, uh, aren't they oh it's amazing you know yeah. and you know so I like the diversity that these these businesses have you know they've, they've been really dynamic haven't they and they've, yeah. they've thought about well what can we take so we've had everything from making pizzas to tasting menus as I say wine tastings um and yeah, I think yeah. it, it has changed the way that we 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 socialize and that you know mm. we can bring people together can't we um through kind of the the, the online space yeah, we the bought, creativity um, that we talked about that creativity that yeah. the pandemic just sparkled yeah. it had to sparkle otherwise what what i else? think the best thing i bought during lockdown was a portal a facebook <laughs> portal yeah <laughs> so I'm we, we bought one and oh, then we bought one for my parents and for my partner's parents. And um, yeah. it's been our lifeline because my partner's not seen his parents since 2019 in December. So how does it work? 
So it's like um, you can get it. It's like either like a little TV kind of picture frame mm-hmm. and it plays all your um, pictures from Facebook during the day. And then you just say, uh, hey, portal, call such and such. And it's connected to your contacts in WhatsApp and Facebook. Um, so you can call anyone on a video call. But the great thing is, is like you can have this like little picture frame on your mantelpiece and the camera follows you around. So you could be walking. So I have it in my kitchen sometimes. I'll be cooking and I'll call my mum and I can be walking around, making the dinner, doing everything. And it feels like you're in each other's living spaces. That's a so super it's, cool. It's, it's like a portal into your house. And um, you don't have to obviously hold your phone while you're doing it or prop it up anywhere. It's You, you can either, I think, have them as a picture frame or you can attach them to your TV. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they're they're fairly you know cost effective, but they've been a lifeline during the pandemic for friends, family, etc. You know, for people we've just not been able to see. Well, trust you. You know, with the founder of the digital media digital marketing agency, to have another level of the socializing through the social media in place. So you, you truly, um, yeah, you truly live what you preach. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I've got um, a quick blitz questions um, to round up our interview. Mm-hmm. Top book recommendation of yours that changed your Oh, uh, definitely. Um, it's a book I bought years and years and years ago, probably in my 20s. It's called um, Mapping the Mind, um, and it's Rita Carter. And uh, what I love about it is she, she looks at people's obsessions, addictions, behaviours, relationships, um, the way that we connect and the difference between men's and women's minds. And I think it's just super helpful. I mean, I think it was like published in probably like 2010. Um, But you imagine, you know, even when we talk about the online space, that Mm. when you start to understand why people do things, like we're talking about the trolling and the bullying. Yeah. Carter talks about why we are the way we are and, and what triggers us and what makes us feel certain ways and how our emotions are processed. So I feel that if you you understand someone's mind um, and then you, you, you can understand your own self and, and self-awareness, but you can understand people better. And I think that definitely helps in building relationships, you know, both personally and also in business. Mm-hmm. So I love that book. Yeah. Definitely. It's not like a sit down and read. It's quite heavy going, but you can flick through and read different bits. Um, okay. uh, so I definitely recommend people read that for sure. Intrigued. Thank you. Household tasks you'd like to outsource? Oh, gosh. Right. Well, um, one of the things that I've missed massively is gar cleaner. Um, <laughs> it's just something that I have never, I mean, I am. My house is exceptionally tidy uh, because I, I feel like, you know, the whole kind of tidy mind thing yeah. is that when everything is organized, um, even my kitchen cupboards are completely organized. I don't have one of those drawers that you throw things in. I can't. The thought of it makes me feel anxious. Wow. So my partner tries to create these drawers and then I have to rework them. So he throws <laughs> things in and then I rework. But one thing that I can't uh, say that I've ever been particularly good is, is like spending time. Um, I've never ironed anything. I have a steamer. I, I steam things as necessity goes. Yeah. Um, and cleaning. So I, I would definitely, I cannot wait to, 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 to outsource that again. Your Maybe favorite not. meal of the day and why? Oh, breakfast. I don't know why I love it. I just, mm. I love breakfast or brunch. Um, 
I think because yeah. I'm vegetarian, I think it's one of those things that there's lots of um, choices whenever you go out. So it's always been one of my favorite eating or eat outs. Um, I think it's just sort of the meal that sets you up for the day. And I think because I'm busy in the week and I don't really um, focus on breakfast so much in the week that when it comes to a weekend, it's like I just love getting up, making tea, having a juice, cooking breakfast and sitting down and just having that calm, slow time. Yeah. So, yeah, I love, I love it. it. How long have you been vegetarian for? Since I was a child. So literally, I think probably officially vegetarian for about five although I just wouldn't eat meat as a kid. Um, so I don't think it was like a political protest or anything. I think it was just a, a food dislike. Um, oh. My mum said I would never eat it as baby food. So although they didn't probably call me a vegetarian back then, I, I, I just ate vegetables and anything of that ilk. So when vegetarian food became a thing, it was even better. And I think over the past couple of years since vegan and plant food, it's revolutionised my choice um, I mean, I have tried all sorts of things that, you know, I, I, I never thought were even possible to be vegetarian because I've never had bacon. I've never had steak. I've never had lamb. I've ne- I don't even know what these things taste like. So I'm only understanding, I suppose, now food textures and taste a little bit more through things like corn and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, I, I can cook meat um, as long as I don't have to eat it. So, yeah, okay. I don't eat fish either. What is your top choice for a famous house guest? And it can be current or historic figure. I think I'd have to go with Salvador Dali. I think um, because I have prints all the way throughout my house, I just think there'd yeah. be no one more crazy to have round for <laughs> dinner. Um, I think when I see the influences in his paintings and the fact that he painted things into a painting that were hidden so that the, the, there were double edge, that... You know, you you would look at things like the hallucinogenic corridor mm-hmm. and you would do your painting. And then it's almost like the magic eye that when you stand and, and, and look in a certain way, you start to see, you know, things within it. Uh, I just think the the ability to be able to paint within a painting is just unreal and uh, mm-hmm. a talent that I would love to have. So I think he's very, very... Um, unusual character let's say and I think the the stories and the vibrancy that he would have brought um to the table would have been amazing so yeah for sure Salvador Dali do you own any of his like quirkiest arts with I, I have I have no originals I have um probably maybe 12 um prints um throughout my house so um yeah on every surface there is literally Salvador Dali paintings um but the the ones that I love um are things like the hallucinogenic Toreador and then he has one which is the disintegration of time which mm-hmm. again yeah. that's one of yeah. my favorites so I just, I, I love every painting and every time I look at them, you know, depending on the light and things, you just see something slightly different that you didn't see before. It really speaks to you. Well, it's something mm. a little bit of what you've done sounds like in your book when you were writing a book about digital marketing, but really what was in there, the whole roadmap for entrepreneurs and how to avoid mm. the um, biggest loopholes on that journey. Um, your dream house and location is the house you're living in, is your dream house, is it like forever home? Or do you have any wild 
dream and the best location if 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 nothing was an object where would you live yeah i think i've always thought about the fact that um i absolutely love animals and uh, anything to do with animals could be any animal um i would love but in particular i love alpacas <laughs> so for me i always laugh and joke with my partner that um, when we retire you that i would like alpacas. to have like a small holding just like with animals running around everywhere um we live in the country at the moment uh in cheshire and um we have no mobile phone masks no street lights and i love the area I, so i think i would i think i'd like to live somewhere in the country have a small holding have a tribe of animals but I also um, absolutely love uh, Marrakesh and we have a strategize and energize retreat in Marrakesh uh, each year. And I, I think I would like to have a base in, in maybe here and, and somewhere like there, because I just think the influences of cooking, you know, um, tagines and making bread. And there's something free about that that way of living um that i kind of like you know and when i go to the retreat i i, I just feel so relaxed and so centered and so mm. calm that i think i would like to have like the 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 sort of salvation of somewhere abroad as, as much as somewhere at home absolutely love it Dawn, it's been my absolute pleasure talking to you today. And you are such a multifaceted, talented person that really captured a lot of areas in your life and brought it to success. And I think the biggest takeaway for me amongst of everything that you said is the necessity of not seeing yourself as a victim, but yeah. rather as a victor and really going for it, really putting yourself out there. I'm looking forward to be checking out your books, your works, and I'm glad that we could connect. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. And thank you very much. So, yeah, I mean, I would love to connect with your listeners and you can find me on all the normal social media at dawnmcgrew.com. Um, and yeah, come and say hi on either LinkedIn, Instagram or Facebook. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beehive Household Podcast. Please don't forget to like, leave your review and share with your friends and family. For more information on the design services we offer, visit our website www.natalialloydinteriors.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook under Natalia Lloyd Interiors as well as LinkedIn. Bye now till the next episode. Look after yourselves and your loved ones.